0: Well, it is certainly good to be with all of you this morning, and um, mm-hmm. welcome to May. It is uh, it is hard to believe that we are. Uh, as teachers looking at the end of the school year um, uh, and as thinking about uh, this class and moving forward you know there's been some uh, some discussions about what we were going to do and how with Andy's schedule and the Kegel schedule what was going to happen and so you you um, you got me again this week and so I, I hope that that's okay my name is Scott Broadway for any of you who I don't know uh, and I'm just blessed to be a part of this congregation, blessed to be a part uh, of this smaller community. And uh, a number of us have, have been joined in this venture of trying to walk with the Spirit through a ministry called Freedom Prayer. And that has been something that has um, really uh, impacted our lives in a powerful way. And so it's always exciting to look out each, um, each Sunday morning to see who the Lord has brought into this space uh, and to have an opportunity, as we have over the last... Three weeks, I guess, to to open up and to share a little bit more about our personal experiences and how um, the the Creator of the universe has humbled Himself uh, into working in our lives in ways that we uh, were able to see and to witness and to understand and to be changed by and challenged by and to be grown uh, and to have grown through that experience. And so as we were looking um and and, and you know we had that little bit of uh misunderstanding when we announced uh, like how we were going to end uh the this the class period because andy was going to be gone and we voted uh kind of uh, very informally about what we wanted to do to extend the class into the summer uh and so as mike and i got together this past week and thought about what do we want to do uh, in the time that we have before we will have Andy back with us, uh, we decided to do something that's similar. Like if you uh, are fam- in, in college in the last probably 10, 20 years, they started doing something called a Maymester. Uh, you try to squeeze an entire semester uh, into just the month of May. Uh, now, we're not going to be that rigorous, but kind of that idea of we're not just killing time. We have a purpose for what we want to do as we see uh, Andy picking back up with walking with the Spirit and presenting things that he has been um, thinking about over the past 20 or 30 years. Uh, what can we do to better ready ourselves to get the most out of this? If you guys are anything like me, um, when we first started hearing Andy we realized like we the, the small groups of us would talk like, like we're saying the same, like it's the same thing, but every week it feels a little different, because the truth um, needs some time to soak in. Um, we need to to hear it and then to try to experience and to think about it and maybe have it reworded again, because for most of us, we've grown up in traditions that um, minimized, like to say it in the kindest way, the role of the Holy Spirit um, in in the church today and in the world today. And so as we thought about what could we do in May, we actually went back and looked at um, uh, some, some stuff that Andy wrote uh, a number of years ago that we felt like would help us in maybe being familiar with the language and, and having just kind of a, uh, kind, of kind of priming the pump uh, for what can happen in the summer. Uh, and so we are going to be looking at trying uh, in, in, this, in this period of time that we have to really look at and to see, okay, so where are we? We, we, we looked at this um, uh, these quadrants and have talked about, here we have this head knowledge and this belief that you know, as Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever, uh, the way that God has worked in His world um, has been consistent. Our understandings, depending on what historical time period we live in, may have affect you know, may affect the way that we we consider how God could work, and the fact that we live in a very modern world uh, that likes to have. I've been teaching about the scientific revolution uh, in in my history classes, and recognizing the effects of Growing up in a, in a time period where we want to have answers for everything, and we uh, have based so much of our world on logic and understanding, that the emotional part of our faith, um, the uh, recognizing of the, the, the importance of our spirit. I don't know about you guys, but when, when we talked about with Andy the, the three parts of humanity, there was something that was really beautiful in that, that the the soul, body, and spirit all having different purposes. Uh, and so we're going to come back and look at some of those things maybe a little bit more closely. Uh, but as Mike and I talked, he said one of the things that was really challenging for him, having grown up in a, in a tradition that, that did not emphasize the role of the spirit in our lives personally uh, today. Um, okay, so I've got this Idea, but it feels like I don't have, uh, like it's very uncertain for me because we start talking about experiences and we are are very wary of wanting our experiences to guide us. Um, And so I I feel unstable somewhat. And so we're going to look over these next. few weeks at foundations, things that we can look at as we start to venture into this area of trying to walk more with the Spirit and not confusing that with just following any whim, not um, just responding from an emotional standpoint, but trusting that there is a God, that He's personal, that He is not only interested in us, but has created us to receive from Him direction, um, and then like a conduit, we are able to be used by him in ways that we couldn't on our own if we were just using our logic and our intellect to try to figure out what would the coach have us do in this situation. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the lead in. It's gonna be me and Mike and Jeannie um, who are going to be teaching over the next few weeks uh, uh, just to, to help with that. And it's fallen to me to kind of do what I think are um, the more foundational of the foundational. I think that um, principle five or foundation five that we get to when we get to it is gonna be really interesting. My goal is to get us through the first four. Maybe I'll get to introduce five. Because ne- I think that's where it starts to be a lot more like practical in what can we do. But if you don't have the foundation established, uh, you can like Mike, uh, today we were talking about in the, in the first service the role uh, that fear can play. Um, and I think even in walking with the spirit, um, fear can inhibit us from being able to be as responsive as we should, should be to the urgings of the spirit. So in thinking about this now, and I'm, I am one, I thought it was great that today was about hero culture because I had chosen a clip um, from, uh, from an Aragon past and it's just a really short one, uh, but I love hero stories. And I think in our culture, it, um, it demonstrates just how hungry, people are for the real hero story for the for the Jesus story Um, but just to remind you for those of you who haven't thought about Indiana Jones uh, for a couple of decades uh, in this in this scene um, his father who is um, also known as 007 um, is 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 his life is in peril they're on the quest for the Holy Grail, and <coughs> Indy is now in this situation where his, his father's life is in jeopardy. He needs to find the chalice to hopefully be able to heal his father, um, and he is, he is uh, set with a, what appears to be uh, an, un, an impossible thing. Oh, it was supposed to do this, sorry. Now, if we had more time, I might go back and watch it a couple of times because what Harrison Ford does with his emotion—that um, you can see in his face uh, as he is recognizing this—is what Dad has been talking about all these years about the importance of faith and being able to to trust in something bigger than yourself. Uh, and it gets his his very life is now depending on Indiana Jones being able to to cross this impossible chasm um, uh, or chasm and, and so he as uh, you know he, as you see on his face uh, he kind of resigns himself to what he thinks is going to be failure and then you see uh, his and then the look at the very end as he tucks the book and is getting ready to go I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go um, and I think my my wish for us um, is that as we or my prayer for us I should say is that as we enter into this um, the number of you who have shared and the comments that we have, I feel like I know our hearts. I know that we want to be on this journey of faith where we see that God is actively involved around us and urging us and shepherding us gently into places where we can do things greater than we could have accomplished on our own that will feel as impossible um, as finding that Really well painted bridge um, that that uh, that was like an illusion. Um- So one of the things that I did uh, come across as I was thinking about sharing our time and and maybe doing a little work with some of the baggage that we are holding uh, in terms of how we were raised and how we think about the Bible. I have been teaching the Middle Ages and up through the Reformation and onto the Scientific Revolution. And so in my mind, very fresh in my mind, um, was something uh, that that came to me as Mike shared, uh, I guess his his children go to Andy Stanley's church in Atlanta and he was there with grandchildren. And he said, Hey, you should give a listen to uh, this talk. He's doing a series called aftermath. And I listened to it and basically what Andy Stanley was talking about uh, in that series is how for um, a time such as this in the, in the time that our, um, our society is in right now, The old way of holding to Scripture and holding it as a proof text is not very effective. With millennials, it's not very effective uh, in terms of uh, this is what you do because the end result is a church that looks like this. Um, And much like in the Reformation, there are people who are looking and saying the fruit doesn't always seem to look like it should. Um, and in his, in his series and as he was talking, things that I was reminded about was, you guys recognize the Bible in its form that we have it today um, really wasn't accessible to humanity until about 500 years ago. It was in the 300s that the Bible was finally assembled. We know that there were letters that were being circulated around. But, you know, a council that gets together and says, this is holy text, this is not, didn't happen until the 300s. It then is written uh, in languages, especially in Western Europe, that weren't accessible to people. It was in Latin. The common person couldn't read, let alone read Latin. Um, and it wasn't until Martin Luther 500 years ago, um, that, and a little before in England, you had a couple of uh, men who had worked to translate the Bible into English. Uh, but it wasn't something that people could rely on. And as I think about in the, in the scope of God's story, To be in a tradition that um, certainly we revere the word, certainly uh, it is God's truth, um, but you have to stop and think what about those people for like a millennium and a half that had no access to that? Why, why was it said that the church was turning the world upside down? It's because the, what they were experiencing was real. It wasn't just that they read a story about Jesus and believed it. There was something that was transformational in the learning of what happened in Jesus' life and their coming to faith and the Spirit of God enlivening them to be able to live life in a way that was so markedly different than anything else that was happening in the world that people were attracted to that. And so we get to, you know, the rational 20th century and the 21st century, um, and our life so much is about parsing verses and making sure that our doctrine is pure, that we um, could inadvertently close off because the intellect has become so primary, we can close off those other parts of the of the the soul has taken over so that the emotion or the heart uh, and the spirit isn't um as in connection with god uh, as it could be and so that kind of is as as i was thinking about what do we how how do we want to start to approach this we have this feeling of uneasiness about okay we do like the idea of the certainty of scripture and being able to, to 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 um to know some things for sure to be truthful some of us are afraid to open up fully to the spirit because it can lead to un- you know, un- uncertain and scary places. Um, and we're not sure if we're ready to go there. Uh, for those of you who are at that end of the spectrum, I would just remind you <laughs> the language that usually is, is talked about when we think about Jesus being a shepherd. Um, that's a gentle profession. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and so as we grow and as we open ourselves up in faith to trying to, to respond, to take a, a leap of faith, um, he, he will show himself in small things which will lead you, um, as you're faithful with those, uh, to greater opportunities. So let's just start and think about some of these um, foundations, these things that as we say we want to be more in touch with God, we want to interact with Him in a way that's not just me going to Scripture and uh, and and downloading information. Uh, hopefully, we're we experiencing transformation, but even more than that, we're hopefully experiencing relationship, because that is where uh, that is where the heart of God is for us. So, I'm oh, I am really I, I love. Finding types in the Bible. And when we think about what, what is man? Who are we? What did God create us for? What is um, the, you know, the, the Genesis story really trying to communicate to us? When we look in Genesis chapter 2, um, we see Adam and Eve. And uh, just a couple of things um, that, that you might want to just think about as we consider this passage God chose to create Adam with a longing for deep fellowship with a like creature. Remember, there was nothing. He went through the naming, but there wasn't a helpmate or a a, a partner that was suitable. The animals could serve and entertain Adam, but they couldn't fulfill this deep desire that God created in him. So Eve was created out of Adam in his image and likeness of his kind, Because she was created in his image, she and he could share union, fellowship, communion, and unity. God's purpose was and is that man and wife are become one flesh, deeply united, one. And that union was for the enjoyment of them both. And so in this, and and I I hope that this has uh, been your experience, and as you think about life, I have always felt that... um, there are in our relationships, people can help us to grow closer to the Lord. And I, I knew that in marriage, <laughs> you will see yourself more clearly, uh, but you will understand God's purposes more deeply um, through, through what results uh, from that kind of relationship. Uh, there was this longing, this, this, this desire um, for communion uh, that brings and integrates differences together. And in this, you see, um, man was created in God's image, just like Eve was created from Adam's substance, and out of himself for one primary purpose. It wasn't just so that we, God could be entertained by us. It wasn't a desire to say, hey, this is going to be a great way to spend the next few thousand years watching how things unfold. The purpose was to be able to live in a mutually pleasing union with God in intimate communion, oneness, and fellowship. And so in that very creation story and with the knowledge that we are created in his image, which has been somewhat mysterious to me and trying to figure, well, what does that mean? Is it because people are creative? Because out of this union, life springs forth? Like God is a creative God, God is an expressive God, and all the characteristics of God, we can look and try to say, is that where humanity reflects his image? I think that part of it um, really is just this notion that the the part of us that is from God is seeking him and can fulfill something in us and for him that demonstrates to the created order um, something about his goodness and who he is. Okay, so this is, uh, I'm, I've got a long passage on the next one that will hopefully help to explain this a little bit more. So let's sit with this and, the, and then we'll um, maybe have some, some thoughts after this. So what's the problem? So this is God's intent, man's problem. God says to us, you and I are incompatible. Even though you're of me, once the sin problem enters the world, we have become incompatible. We're incompatible, and I don't change. God is unchangeable. God is after Spirit-led people who move in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. In fact, the one characteristic by which we can recognize those who are sons of God is that they are led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 12 through 14, So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So we're incompatible. We've got this sin problem, but this is God's, God's picture for us, that we can be restored and we can be led by His Spirit in an intimate communion. But what he has is men who are not used to and don't recognize the Spirit, don't understand the Spirit, and that live in a world that generally denies that the Spirit world even exists, or so waters it down that the term Spirit becomes synonymous with pep and esprit, despite abundant Scripture to the contrary. It is alien to them and to us, and to us this life of the Spirit, the mind and intellect, the soul, as we've been uh, taught, have been exalted in Western thinking. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. You guys remember that, right? <laughs> A little power outage. Uh, I think I might have to turn this back on. Um, let me rethink everything that I'm saying. Oh, um, <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm just going to shut that down. Um, hey, as we... Okay, so as we're thinking about that, I was, really, I was really compelled by that image that that temptation from the garden is something that I think is foundational in the world still today. Um, as if Satan recognized, hey, that worked pretty good in the beginning. Um, all this spirit stuff is being really fruitful uh let's let let's let man become uh, enchanted let's i don't know a better word uh, at this moment to say with with their ability with their abilities with their capacities to learn with their ability to discern for themselves what truth is as they go into this era of the scientific method and being able to prove and test things and know what 's true and what isn't true um, And it's that same temptation, do I choose knowledge do I choose relationship? I hadn't really thought about what they were giving up in the garden, but they were familiar with the footsteps of the Lord in the the garden. They knew he was coming and they had to hide after they sinned. Scripture doesn't tell us how long uh, they were in this perfect setting how long it was that they enjoyed this union. as a kid, I kind of thought like it's day seven and then day eight, the serpent shows up, I don't know, um, you know after the day of rest. Um, scripture's silent on that. It could have been a really long time that this union, but at some point, the craftiness of the, of the accuser comes in and says, God isn't who he says he is. You can, take knowledge, you can take this and you can gain knowledge and you can see as he does. And in our modern world, I think that's a very, uh, very tempting thing. And we can even see it if you connect it to what Josh was talking about this morning. There are, there's a lot of effort being spent to, for us to take on that enemy of death, right? To, to prolong life. And there, there are people who write about it and people who uh, undergo extreme uh, treatments at end of life to, to, to make sure that they might, uh, you know, when that next technology comes, we're going to be able to, to raise this old body up because, you know, uh, the world, I can't, I can't think of all of the celebrities who have done things like that. Um, but we know of them, right? And so there is something that is um, really compelling to think about that in our lives on a spiritual level. Do we, do we want knowledge? Or do you want a relationship? Some of us are very comfortable with knowledge because it fits into our view of reality. It fits into a system that's working pretty well. And to be honest, if we look at, uh, if we look around the world, we're winning. Why would we want to change the rules of the game? Right? I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. Um, and so that lesson that we talked about several weeks ago with Andy about. Um, uh, you know, the, the role that culture plays in how we interpret Scripture is one that we need to be prayerfully taking before the Lord and saying, let those, like like with um, Saul about to become Paul, can the scales fall from my eyes? Can I see things as you see things? Can I um, can I process uh, what's happening in the world around me and even in my own life in the way that you see it? Um, and can you use me in a way that will effectively um take benefit of all of the, all the things that you've given to me. All right, so the Spirit became shriveled and dry. Uh, so in, this, in Adam and Eve's situation, and I would say if you look at the, the church in the West, because of our self-sufficiency, we don't need the Spirit because we can devise organizations that can take care of any problem, right? Um, we, we know what the heart of God is, And like the coach on the sidelines we're going to meet in our holy huddles and we're going to figure out what we can do and isn't god lucky to have us so organized and so on fire for him all the while if it's not his heartbeat that is coursing through us did not love i'm sorry for those of you who are not in first service but brian leeper's um six-year-old response to the question of what the heart is pumping like if that isn't what is if it's not the love of the father that is compelling our actions or our organizations or our missions um, there may be some effectiveness effectiveness there uh, but not to the degree to the degree that he would have okay we pray mind prayers we go to mind-controlled services. We have mind-developed Bible studies and wonder that God seems far away and emotionally remote. We're looking in the wrong place. God is seeking worshipers, but only on his terms. Why would he want to commune with us in the mind only when he can commingle with us in total intimacy in the spirit? That, you might have to hear that twice, but let's just think about that. Most of us, if we're honest, that's the way that we approach the Father, right? Open the Word and think, and I'm going to say words to Him. Most of us rarely take the time to listen back. We're looking in the wrong place. God is seeking worshipers, but on His terms, not ours. Why would He want to commune with us in the mind only when He can commingle with us in total intimacy of the Spirit? It is His love for us that will not let Him settle for less than our total fill- filling with Him, right? So again, our first, uh, the first foundation as we think about trying to step out and uh, uh, embrace God is to know that that is His heart. That is why he has created us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And how is it made possible? Ultimately, it is through the work um, that Jesus did that reconciliation is possible. A couple of verses just to help us see in in Jesus' last earthly prayer before his, um, before, you know, communal prayer. Um, And then he goes uh, and is with the Father and saying, this is what I want for them that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. This is eternal life. I don't ask in behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in Me through their word, that they may all be one, even as Thou, Father, art in Me, and I in Thee, that they also may be in Us, that the world may believe that Thou didst send Me, and the glory which Thou hast given Me I have given to them, that they may be one, just as We are one, I in them, and thou and me, that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that thou didst send me and didst love them, even as thou didst love me. So as you're looking at this picture um, in the same way that God was with the Father, Jesus now is wanting the body of Christ, which is us, the church, to be enlivened through the unity with his Spirit. Uh, and this is theologically something that we just have to we just have to hold on to. We have to recognize that um, this is the heart of God, that He intends to enliven the body of Christ through His church. Um, and when we see ourselves in that light, we recognize it can't be us. It can't be our plans, it can't be our way because, our ways are so far below His, and so we need to be o- with open hands, seeking um, this relationship, and then all the things, all the promises we know uh, about um, the kind of Father that He is, from the prodigal story to the promises about um, if the if the son asks for a piece of bread, is the Father going to give him a bad gift? Is He going to give him a serpent or a, a scorpion? Or uh, no, He's not. He's going to give good gifts, and so. Part of the first work is just saying we know that God wants this relationship and that's what we want also. But then we also have to recognize as a second foundation is that God is not human. We all have failed attempts. Some relationships are better than others, uh, but we know that relational, um, the relational aspects of humanity can be challenging. Now we have to recognize um, He's extending a relationship, but He is not human. Um, God is not man and does not communicate as man does. His ways are not our ways. His is spirit. Uh, He is spirit. Therefore, human reasoning and communication methods are not necessarily the most applicable approach to God, at least in the sense that we dictate to God how he may speak to us. And for a lot of us, if we're honest about our devotional times, who sets the terms? How do we determine what we're going to be studying and and praying. Um, We're used to being the ones who have the day timers and plan our lives out, right? We're in charge of our time, (laughs) because the clock is ticking, right? it's a completely different thing. I, you know, I, I hope not to have to be like Sister Jean um, to be you know, in my 90s to say, okay, now it doesn't matter and I can be f- you know, free uh, because the, the, you know, I, I'm on extended play or whatever. Um, this image here that, that um, Andy wrote about I thought was, was really interesting. Uh, and it talks about communication. For any of you guys who are communication fans and thinking about history and how things have changed, basically in a primitive world, uh, if you were want to communicate with someone far away and you were in a in a setting that used drums and runners, that might be the only way that you could think to get a message a far away away, never even recognizing that there are radio waves. And so as time uh, advances, we know there are much more efficient ways to communicate uh, than that um, but we're not we weren't aware of them who would have believed that uh, you know 20 years ago uh, cell phone technology and uh, you know all of those things were possible but we were unaware of of them so it is with the spirit world in the spiritual realm god is speaking to us it's all around us just like those radio waves were when those primitive uh, uh, civilizations were trying to communicate with one another Um, but we don't have the ability To interpret them. Uh, The problem is on the receiving and the perceiving end, not on the sending end, right? So that next foundation is that we're limited in time and space and in our ways of understanding how communication works. God has wired us in so many different ways um, that there's a a bombarding in the world of what God's will is, and he's holding creation together. um, And you see this Um, this big organism that is functioning at the will of the creator and he's wanting us to be used in a way that is powerful and meaningful um, and we're just not receiving the message and so one of the things that's a foundational thing for us to remember is in humility to say help me to hear you Um, I, I know that you don't communicate like my wife communicates to me. I know you have so many different ways to communicate with me. Help me to be open. Help me to see and sense your movement um, around me. Help me to let go of the control that I, that I mistakenly believe that I have about my life and my relationships. Um, I confess that it's you who decides the parameters of this communication with me. Uh, When, how, how much. We often think of communicating with God and begin to seek the spectacular and miss the supernatural. So like we want the sign, we want the burning bush, uh, we want handwriting on the wall like we've read about in Scripture. Where the supernatural happens all the time. Uh, Those coincidences that we just didn't stop to think about. Why did they come to mind at this point? Or how is it that I happen to intersect with this person? Or how did that thought, which I haven't had for 20 years, come to mind, and why? Because it's not like in our mistaken belief that we control everything, it wasn't on the agenda for me today. It wasn't something that was even on my, what, my radar? So what needs to get tuned differently? Maybe my radar. Maybe it needs to be set more heavenward so that I can be receiving messages from the Father instead of from the world and from culture. Um, And there's a lot that can be talked uh, about when we think about learning to listen. I remember from the time that I was um, in high school and college how important it is to think about filtering the the, the other noise that you have in your life. Um, I shared last week a little bit about my by leading into missions after, after college. And one of the practices that helped me to hear more clearly was withdrawing from different things and recognizing that the constant stream of media into your life, like you're feeding, um, you're feeding your soul. Uh, and you choose what you feed your soul. Uh, and if you are choosing to drink from the well of the world, guess what? You'll be worldly. <laughs> Um, It's not a surprise, it's that same reaping and sowing thing that Andy talks about, right? So where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you spend your attention, it makes a claim on you, uh, and it it will bear fruit. And so in learning to listen, hearing God's language, and Andy says this all the time, I think it wasn't until this week that I really got it for the first time. Um, His language isn't English, we know that, right? And maybe intellectually we know that? but with this foundation that we're talking about, it struck me in a new way. Um, He doesn't speak any human language, he speaks them all, well he can speak them all, Um, but that's not his heart language. And for those of you who've gone to different cultures, um, I don't believe that he's chosen one culture that that, that can contain his heart language. And so if you've ever tried to learn another language, it's work right? You have to be attentive, you have to be focused, and it has to be a goal that, you, that, you, that you're wanting to learn that. Um, and so as we seek that relationship, maybe we're used to him just speaking to us in English, but he can overwhelm the senses. And I know from stories that were shared in here, his language, like, it resonates with your heart. And afterwards, there's no doubt that there was an encounter uh, and that something uh, significant happened, and so as we as we look at this, that definitely is something that we're going to try to do. All right, I underestimated. I think we might only be able to get to to introducing of the of the third one um, here. Yes.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh no, please. Time. I've been sitting here thinking about it since we talked about the first Foundation. Yes. <clears throat> I have grandchildren who have grown up feeling the spirit their whole hmm. lives. But they see such a difference in their parents and in their grandparents and the way that they have learned right. uh, to think about communication right. Right. and how they are led and so on. And I'm praising God that these young people are hmm. uh, learning this right. and are embracing it. My youngest granddaughter asked me the other day, she said, ma'am, was the Holy Spirit not in existence? Is that why you all didn't know? (laughs)
0: Was he on break?
1: (laughs) She said, you know, because I don't remember ever hearing about that, you know. And she said, so did he not exist from the beginning of time? So we had a whole afternoon of just simply going back and looking at right. scriptures and talking right. about that. So I, my question for you is, when did that shift begin? Mm. And what was it that caused it right. to begin that we began to think? Because I have to admit that I was not what I would call a spiritual person right. Right. when I was the age of my granddaughter. Right, and so. Tell me a little bit. Right, well,
0: I think historically, and that's kind of where my head has been most recently, um, in the entire, like, from the Renaissance, you have this, um, what had happened in the Middle Ages, at least in Europe, as we're looking at at Europe, you have a church that basically had taught that uh, you can't have a direct relationship with the Lord. Humanity is fallen and broken, The church stands in between humanity and God, and you have uh, have a a clergy that administers the gifts of God. We're unholy, our bodies are are evil, uh, and and are a hindrance to us reaching uh, eternity. And once people are able to start to read, Uh, All of these traditions and the practices, like with indulgences, some of you may remember something about uh, traditions that grew up in the Catholic Church that that weren't based on Scripture. You had individuals like Martin Luther and William Tyndale and others who are starting to translate the Bible into languages for people. Human accomplishment becomes important in the Renaissance and the focus on what we can do. Uh, And and then there is a... a readjusting. I had a teacher who said there is a pendulum that str- that swings, and and then you overreact on the other side. And so humanity is so debased that now it's going to be glorified so much on this other side that it's going to have other spiritual implications. And so you've got um, these the you know the this idea that we can find all truth for ourselves, and it becomes very self-directed. And you have the breakaway from one big church into a bunch of smaller and splintered churches. Uh, and I believe that it's from that point where people start to, to base their faith on what they understand and what they believe and how we are different from one another. It broke Jesus's prayer of unity. Did there need to be reformation? Absolutely. And did people need to understand that there was a personal relationship uh, that was there, but it turned into something that kind of coincided with nationalism and the growth of different um, countries. And it all gets kind of mixed up together. And I see it being that temptation of the tree of knowledge. Again, as I look at that uh, knowledge of good and evil, like I can find it for myself. The church is untrustworthy and I can find the truth for myself. And the scientists who initially were, were God-fearing and raised in the tradition are going to, to start to challenge Everything first with the, the geocentric theory to the heliocentric theory to everything else in between. Now, we slipped into a history moment just for a second, but one of the things that you said um, that, that was, and I don't know that that fully answers your question, I could probably talk to you for a longer amount of time yeah <laughs> oh that's Watch the it. earth is at the center instead of the sun is at the center um um the, uh, that that notion and the church is going to be challenged by that because that was the way that they had taught it um we're the pinnacle of creation um but as i as i um heard you, one of the things I was reminded of, and I don't remember when it, when it started, but at some point it was in the Middle Ages, I believe, that people held the theory that the language of heaven is the language of infants. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that the younger generation coming up and saying, well, what happened to the spirit? Why didn't you know about it? Why don't I see that in your life? Um, that's a mercy to have that in, in, in a generation to call us to that and how beautiful to know that all of us continue to learn, uh, throughout, the, throughout the span of our lives and, and have an opportunity to return no matter how prodigal we've been, even if it's in our understandings of relationship. We identify with the older brother, right? We've, 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 we've studied that enough to know, and part of it is he missed the relationship. All I have is yours. Do we want all that God has for us, for the world around us? Um, or do we choose to pick what we want from that tree of knowledge and to construct our own worlds mm-hmm. it is a uh, it is a um, it's a choice that we have to make regularly and some of us may need to, to repent and confess of that that hey i made the, i'm making as critical as i've been of eve and adam and they're the ruining of our existence i do the same thing Um, And so may we this week uh, have that on our minds. Uh, May we begin to make the choice to say, no, I choose relationship. Um, And we'll come back next week and we'll pick up with the fact that the creator knows us and our weaknesses. And he still chooses us and will relate to us. God bless you all. Thank you very much for, for being here. Not kidding, Scott.